Welcome to season four, Fostering Change, the number one podcast in adoption and foster care. You know, each week we speak to the most amazing good humans about topics that touch each and every one of us. If you have a guest suggestion or interested in sponsoring our podcast, please visit us at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, sit back, enjoy, learn, get motivated, and let's speak to some fascinating guests. It is so hard to believe that we are already in the second episode of season four, Fostering Change. What in the world did you think about Greg Luganis last week? I couldn't believe it. What a conversation. You know, there's nothing that I love more in the world than to talk with my friends. And I love the fact that I get to call Greg a friend. You know, we all know it's National Adoption Awareness Month. And there was no way in the world that I could actually have a show this month on our podcast of Fostering Change without having the next organization. You know, I'm very lucky. I get to be asked all the time to sit on boards nationally, internationally. And this is the one organization that I actually say I felt so deep, deep, deep that I could not give it all to be on their board. Because as you know, I'm running comfort cases and I am one of these people, either I give it all or I just can't do it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to um, announce my next guest. He is the CEO and president of the National Council for Adoption, NCFA. That is Adoption Council org and we are going to talk about some amazing stuff ryan welcome to fostering change rob thanks for having me on here i love your show and i'll just say i remember years ago you spoke at our conference and you inspired everyone and you know ever since then watching the work that you're doing has been awesome so we're we're so grateful for you and and the the work that you do to inspire so many well, thank you so much. Let me tell you something. I absolutely love NCFA. I have been a fan of yours for many, many years. And the thing that I actually love, Ryan, and by the way, congratulations on your new promotion, being the CEO and president. That is just amazing. But what I'm really, really so excited about is that I really see NCFA moving that needle even more when it comes to adoption and foster care. You know, I always felt that NCFA was more of a, you know, overseas adoption adoption type of organization or just domestic type adoption, but nothing to do with foster care. But I see that that's really changing within CFA. And, you know, with the over 100,000 children that are waiting for a forever family, what's made you guys start to do that? You know, it's always been a part of our mission, um, but you're right. We were more associated with international adoption and private domestic adoption for many years. And we've wanted to join organizations like yours and others in advocating for those over 100,000 children that are waiting on adoption and for the, the many hundreds of thousands of families that have been formed by adoption from foster care. Um, it's critically important. And as you know, Rob, it's not easy work. Advocating for these families is not easy. And then ensuring that we have the resources to equip professionals is not always easy, uh, but it's so important to us it's the most you know, popular type of adoption just by numbers. And we wanna make sure that we're linking arms with you and many other great organizations to be supporting these families and children. 
Well, I think you guys are doing an amazing job. And, you know, recently I've heard about this survey that you all have done. And actually, it is the largest survey that's ever been done when it comes to adoptive parents. And I really want to talk about that because I think that this is probably, I first of all, I don't think that it's gotten enough attention. I think that it needs more attention about this survey. But can you tell our listeners and viewers exactly what is going on with it when it comes to this survey? Yeah, so we um, surveyed adoptive parents and ended up being the largest survey of adoptive households ever. Over 4,200 adoptive parents responded to our survey, representing the, they're the parents of more than 6,600 adoptees. So we got a lot of information. And these are parents who adopted private domestic, um, inner country, or adoptions from foster care from every state in the country. Uh, we were hearing from these parents and we asked them a whole range of questions. We asked a lot of demographic questions to know who's adopting, who's being adopted. And then uh, we asked questions about their experiences, both with their adoption and post-adoption. What is What motivated them to adopt? How much did their adoption um, cost? What was the process like? We asked a whole range of questions about parenting as well. That is so unbelievable. You know, the fact is, 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 you know, from somebody who I adopted, you know, my husband and I have five kids out of the foster care system, you know, even just somebody asking me those questions. I mean, I remember as I, I've said this in giving speeches across the country, you know, we were actually sitting in the courtroom listening to the judge read all of the information about our first two children who actually, by the way, we had we adopted them in the month of November for National Adoption Awareness Month. And we were finding out things that, you know, these kids had been with us for two years that we did not know. And not that it would ever have changed the fact that, you know, Reese and I wanted to be their parents. I just kept going in through my mind that is if I would have known, you know, from the very beginning when they arrived in our home, you know, everything that they had gone through prior to the arrival, maybe there could have been services that we could have, you know, right. gotten that we didn't receive. And now we're playing catch up, you know. Well, Rob, that, that's an issue of transparency where the, the foster system that you were working with should have been transparent with you. Who better than the parents of this child? You're parenting this child, whether or not it was going to end in adoption, you could have been helping meet needs. And that, that's information you should have had. I'm glad you finally got it, but it should have come so much sooner. Well, you know, we see that though throughout our country and I talk to adoptive parents, foster parents, and because of the Privacy Act, they're not given the information whatsoever. And it's always because we all know the goal is reunification. But the problem is, is we have to be realists when it comes to truly children, um, they're not all being reunified. So the more we wait by not giving them those services, by connecting, you know, we were their parents at that time. You know, my son needed speech therapy and, you know, my daughter, you know, she was hoarding food and these are things that therapy, I mean, but to hear all of this stuff, it's like, and now all of a sudden you guys are bringing it to the forefront with this survey. Um, what do you hope to gain from this survey and who do you really think it's going to affect? Well, we wanted this to be available to, to anyone. So that's, that's, one of the reasons we did it was just to make it publicly available. So lawmakers, journalists, and others would have access to this through our website at any time. But what we hope more than anything is that adoption professionals will use this information to train the 
future adoptive families so that they can be prepared. They can show them, here's the percentage of children who are getting educational accommodations in school. And, and by the way, it's a high percentage. So what's your plan for getting an IEP? What's your plan for a 504 accommodation? We want adoption professionals to train these parents to say, look at the number of therapeutic services that these families are getting for their kids. Look at the diagnoses that these kids have. How prepared are you for post-adoption? The adoption process itself, you know this, it's not easy, but the harder part is being the parent. Right. It, it, the harder part comes post-adoption and it's a lot of work. Those of us, you, you and I are both adoptive parents. Uh, we know that we need to be prepared. We need a plan in place and adoption professionals need to be the ones to, to help families understand that. No, and I agree with you. And as a father who has adopted four kids of color, you know, there was no planning whatsoever when it came to, you know, that interracial adoption. And I feel like that has to be mandatory. You know, it has to be mandatory that we make sure that we are working with adopted families who are adopting out of their race because it does make a huge difference. You know, um, I'll never often forget families that. need the language to talk about this. They, they have good intentions, but they need better information. They need to be equipped to know what steps they should be taking. Race can be a very difficult thing to talk about in our country. Everyone knows that in child welfare, we can't be afraid of having difficult conversations and saying, if you are choosing to do this, if you're going to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent of a child who's a different race than you, there are implications there for everybody. Right. We want families to be prepared for that. We want children to be better served by those parents who are equipped for this. And, and you know, if, if the parents aren't prepared for that, or if it's not the right fit for them, we need to be supportive of that too and say, okay, this isn't going to be the right thing for you. If you're going to adopt, then you should be adopting a child who is the same race as right. you. Or, right. you know, if your community isn't going to be accepting, then this isn't going to be the right fit for that child. No, I agree 100% with you on that, Ryan. And, and that is another thing that we lacked when we were adopting. You know, I believe that people who adopt, I mean, we want to provide the best we can for our children, but there are things that there are boxes that we must check. And because nobody ever spoke to us about that, I'll never forget it. We, um, you know, for us, it was all about, we wanted our kids to go to the best school. And so we wanted them to be in the number one school district, but not one. One time did we think, was there enough children of diversity within that school? All we kept thinking about was getting them a good education, because with a good education, it takes you one step closer to success. And instead, you know, we realize, and I tell people all the time, you know, being a parent's the hardest job in the world, okay? And accepting your mistakes is even harder but it makes you stronger. Listen up, everybody. I am so excited. This conversation with my friend Ryan, the CEO and president of NCFA, it is amazing. And we're going to be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. 
A lot of you don't even know this because I try not to say it often, but almost every season I say to my producer, David, that this is the last season because, you know, it's really hard to run an international nonprofit, have a number one podcast, also be a public speaker. But then it comes conversations that I have like I'm having today where I'm truly getting educated and I think we're educating other people. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this for like 10, 15 more seasons. I'm going to be another open. Oprah and be on there for 25 years. But you know what? This one really, really touches me in a way you cannot believe. You know, Ryan, you know, you're adopted dad. I'm an adopted dad. There were so many things that I, and as a kid who I grew up in this system, um, there were things that I felt like that we could have done better as humans that we still seem to do that is very hurtful. And one of the things for me, and I want to know your opinion on this, and I want to get right to it. You know, one of the things that I cannot stand is I cannot stand titles. I think that, you know, when people say, oh, there's Rob, he's a gay man. I'm always like, no, I'm a man who just happens to be gay. You know, I never, ever introduce my children as these are my adopted children. And I never, ever believe that a child who's in the foster care system should ever be called a foster child, that they should be a child. And then at the, if you need to, they are a child who's experiencing foster care. And I think that later language is so important. And this is the reason why. Number one, when I say children, it makes my heart smile. When I say foster child, I first immediately think not now because I'm educated about children in foster care. What did that kid do wrong? Okay. Mm -hmm. And when I think about adopting, I also think about what did that kid go through to, mm -hmm. you know, to make him do that? What do you think about that whole language thing? Yeah, you know, this is something that as a social worker, we talk about a lot. We talk about how we communicate about the children that we're serving. And um, this comes up a lot when we're talking about special needs as well. There's a big difference between saying my handicapped child or my child who has a you know special need or a handicap or a disability of some sort. And of course, within those communities, they might choose to describe themselves you know, in a, in a way that's different. But for, for those of us who are talking about members of a different community, we want to be using that person first language. Rob was a child in foster care. He was not a foster child, right? If I'm talking about you or if we want right. to, you know, and, and you're going to, you know, meet my four kids, one of whom joined my family through adoption. I'm not going to pull them out and say, this is my adopted child. You know, right. of course not but it might come up naturally. You and I might be talking about this as adoptive dads. We might be talking about what those experiences are like from us. And I'll say, hey, you know, this is my kid. He you know, joined our family through adoption. There's ways to do that that are respectful. There's ways to do that that can be stigmatizing. And we wanna be always thoughtful about that and the labels that we might be putting on people, even if we're not trying to, even if we have good intentions. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I it was always pointed out that I was the foster kid. And these are my biological children. And it scarred me. And I will tell you, I mean, I still I mean, I go to therapy, I'll bring it up every once in a while. And I think that it's so important. But I think organizations like yours, organizations that have really been the trailblazers, and by the way, I do believe that who your organizations like yours who've been the trailblazers are the ones who are going to get people to stop 
and think. And think about the fact that it always should be person first. And I think that, you know, I, I see organizations all the time who are still using the word foster child in their, you know, ads or when they're doing their social media posts. And, and it just like, it makes me cringe. And, and then I've also talked to people who are like, well, I was a foster kid. I could wear it as a badge of honor. And, and I always say to myself, you know what? I want you to know Rob, you know, and once you get to know me, then I'm going to tell you about the fact that I was in foster care or the fact that I'm an adoptee dad that has adopted five children. You know, Ryan, I want to get back to this survey because the reason I keep talking about this survey and the reason that it means so much to me is because I truly do believe that we're not educating our public enough when it comes to adoption. I believe that there are people who actually want to adopt and they do not know what to do. They don't know how to start. So if let's say I come to you, you didn't know me and I'd say, hey, you know what, Ryan, I'm thinking about I'd actually like to adopt. What would you say to me? Uh, I'd say, hey, I'm so glad you're thinking about that. The first thing we need to do is get good information. And there's there's lots of types of adoption. So we'd, we'd think through the different types of adoption. What's the right fit for your family? I'd want your husband there because this isn't a decision you're making solo, right? So we'd, we'd want to, but we're in an information gathering stage in the beginning. And we have on our website and, and many others have free resources. So families that are interested and they're thinking, you know, I'm, I might think about these different types of adoption. Where do I start? There are free resources that are available that can help think through some of those basic questions, start getting information. And then we really want to be interviewing those that are going to be serving us as much as they're going to turn around. You did this when you got your home study, right? They asked you a million questions. Well, we yes. can be asking them a lot of questions up front. I want to know what this experience is going to be like. I want to know what other families who've worked with you, what has their experience been like? This is a, a life-changing you know, commitment that we're going on. So we want to make sure that we're partnering with the right organizations and organizations that are going to be around post-adoption. This is not, you know, when we're working with an organization, this is not transactional. This is, you want an organization that's going to be with you for many years to come. I agree. I agree. And you know what? You hit the nail on the head. I mean, first of all, you come together, you know, whether it's, and by the way, those who are watching us and listening to us, single people adopt too, by the way. Um, yeah. So, you know, but if you are doing this adoption and you're married or, you know, it, it's going to be a partnership type thing, everybody needs to be included. But Ryan, something that you said that I think is so, so, so important is educating ourselves, educating ourselves. I just recently, had a call last week with a, 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 a the most amazing rabbi. Her and her husband are considering adopting, and when it, she they had reached out to an agency, and it was, actually was a child welfare agency, and they said, "Well, you're never going to be able to adopt a baby if you go through foster care, you know. So you might as well get that out of your head." And it kind of hurt my feelings at the point of my heart hurt because I know that four of my children were babies when they actually arrived. And I think that we seem to push that away so much. I think that we need to change our child welfare system and, and think about the well-being of the child and stop just thinking about preserving, you know, the, I mean, I said this to this, and, and I know I'm rattling this point because it just upsets me so much, but I said <laughs> this to the birth parents who had our children. I said, you have one year, you have one year to get your act together. Children should not be born in a country or in a world where they have to sit and wait for adults to start adulting, okay? 
Rob, I'll, I just want to jump in here and say, you know, one of the problems that we're seeing with our foster care system is we're actually moving away from the timeframes that we had bipartisan agreement on previously. So children are going to spend more and more and more time in foster care. Of course, we should be supporting these families. Of course, we should be looking for unification when that's not happening and a child is spending two, three, four, five years in care, we have failed and our public policy has failed. There, we have laws in the books that are not being enforced and every state in this country is failing in this regard. Yeah, every single state. I mean, and, and people don't realize and which is just, I just don't understand it. It's just like every single month that a child sits in foster care is a month that that child is being left behind, you know? And again, we all fall. I have fallen in my life. We all fall. And the fact is, is that it's those of us who want to get up and those of us who continue to stay down. And it's not fair to the children because all of a sudden you've got this baby that's arrived in the system and you've got the birth mother who's having baby after baby and drugs and everything. And that one baby, the first baby still in the system. And now that baby's four years old. It's been in four different homes you know, we know what that does to a child. I feel like our politicians, and by the way, this is a bipartisan thing. Right. I tell people all the time, kids in foster care, kids who are being adopted, they don't care whether you're red or blue. What they care about is that you care for them. And I think that it is about time that our laws that are already in place, I'm not asking you to write a new law. Exactly. Laws that are already in place need to be enforced and they need to start being enforced today. I couldn't agree more, Rob. And what happens is these kids are spending more and more time in care. We're not supporting them. And then we end up with these kids when, as teenagers in the system. And we say, why is no one stepping up to adopt these children? Well, we have made it so difficult for these children that they often are presenting with you know, behavioral challenges and other things. We're not blaming these kids. We have, we have created a huge mess by continually trying to prioritize the adults, the parents, instead of prioritizing the children. And once we flip that, once we can go to a system where we are saying what's actually in these children's interest, we will see dramatic changes. There'll be far fewer kids in need of care that are in care, will have more resources to be working towards reunification. But right now we're stuck. And you see this in foster care. There's a constant revolving door where they are always needing to recruit because they are losing foster parents who are fed up with a broken system. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Well, let me tell you something, Ryan. I am so, so happy that you came on our show. I'm happy that we're here at National Adoption Awareness Month. But what I'm so, so happy about is the work that NCFA does. You all are trailblazers. Listen, everyone, adoptioncouncil.org. I want you to go. I want you to read about the survey. I want you to see the results. I think you will be absolutely surprised as I was when I educated myself. And even after being an adoptive dad, I went back and I read the survey and I was shocked about certain things. So I'm telling you, read the survey. You know what, Ryan, thank you so much. Um, I am looking forward to having you back on our show again. And everybody do me a big favor, you know, adoptioncouncil.org. This is a nonprofit, just like Comfort Cases. And the way that they're able to move that needle to help get change within our policies, to support families 
families is by donations, donations. And it's simple as that, you know, governments are not coming in and, you know, helping us out as much as we would love for them to. We're out there knocking on the doors and I'm knocking on your door right now to say, please go to adoptioncouncil.org and see how you can get involved. And until next time, I hope you all continue to do what we all should be doing and that's be a good human. Take care. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me and look forward to the next time. Yes, my friend. Thank you. Take care. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, ComfortCases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.